Hey everybody, welcome out to another fun-filled episode of Burnt Popcorn. I'm your co-host Mike Laidman and I am joined with none other than Laura Laidman. Each and every week we take a movie from our past and we have a look back and see if it's just nostalgia keeping our high-praised classic films float or if it really is the real deal and worthy of all the adulation. How you doing, hon? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm good. I feel like our current film is the real deal and worthy of all the adulation. <laughs> yeah, like I kind of already filled in our tracker sheet that we both gave it a double butter. Did you really? Yeah, because there's no way we both did. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. I mean, it's Jurassic Park. What are you going to do? It, it is Jurassic Park. And we also prefaced it at the end of last episode, if you listened to last episode, that this is my favorite movie of all time. And like, there's no way that I could. Could you imagine? If this episode ended and I was like, man, it really just, it just didn't age well. Well, looking at it with a critical yeah, with eye the critical for eye, storytelling and there's effects. A, there's and- a lot of terrible things with this Steven Spielberg Oscar winning film from 1993. It did win three Oscars. <laughs> yes, it did. Uh, but yeah, so whether. And I'm, and I'm not going to pull the same thing you did with my favorite movie to be like, well, I didn't really like any of the characters. That's the, do, do, do. That was how I actually felt. Yeah, but you like dragged it out and like teased me that, you know, you weren't going to give it the double it so deservedly deserves. Uh-huh. Okay, well, on that note, shall we just skip the preamble and get into this week's film, which is Jurassic Park, which originally hit theaters back in 1993. There it is. Welcome. To Jurassic Park. We've made living biological attractions so astounding that they'll capture the imagination of the entire planet. The most phenomenal discovery of our time. How'd you do this? Becomes the greatest adventure of all time. Can I touch it? Sure. Universal Pictures presents. You feel that? Hold on to your butts. A Steven Spielberg film. Fences are failing all over the park. Yeah, that's nice. Gotta go. An adventure. Look out! Down! I can't get Jurassic Park back online. 65 million years in the making. Jurassic Park. Man, you know it was a good year? 1993. Was it? You know it was a fun month? June of 1993. Yeah. Because not only did you get Jurassic Park. Okay, the first one isn't so much fun as like <laughs> they did this so, it feels like so recently, but mm-hmm. I feel like anyone younger than us listening would be like, 1993 was so long ago. Meanwhile. I wasn't born yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, my sister was born in 1993, actually. Oh, there you go. Uh, not but in anyway. June. Not in June. In May. No. Ma- March. March. Sorry. It's the end month. I had it. I don't really remember when your brother was born either, so it's okay. Uh-huh. Anyway, June 1st, Brooklyn, New York begins recycling. <laughs> wow. Right? That's what a like, different world we live in. Right? I'm just like, 1993? And then I'm like, I can remember a time when my household didn't recycle, so. Yeah. Yeah. June 7th. Singer Prince celebrates his birthday by changing his name to a symbol. Ah, back when he was the artist. Formerly known as Prince Mm -hmm. because of record label squabblings and Mm -hmm. stuff. But still, again, that was something I felt took place in the 80s. How wrong was I? No, that one I knew took place in the 90s. June 8th, drag queen RuPaul releases debut album, Supermodel of the World. Again, something I thought would have happened earlier than 93 but at the same time to me 1993 feels about 15 years ago not about almost 30 almost years ago. 30 years ago so uh, hence my poor gauge in time well uh, correct my ignorance if you can but rupaul was big in the 80s as well rupaul really didn't become a household name until the 90s okay in the 80s rupaul was a club kid and I don't know if you know anything about the New York club kid scene. There's a movie called Party Monster with Macaulay Culkin about the the club kid scene. 
And then, like, the most famous club kid murdered another club kid and hacked him up in his bathtub. But RuPaul was, like, friends with them. And, like, the club kids in New York were, like, a thing. And it's an actually... There are many really good podcasts about the New York club kid scene of the late 80s. So, but that's where RuPaul really got his start. Mm-hmm. And then I remember the first thing I ever found out about knew of RuPaul, not to totally derail Jurassic Park here. Mm-hmm. My parents had an Elton John cassette of duets and one of them was with RuPaul. Interesting. And that was the first I knew of RuPaul. Do you remember what the song was that they sang? No. Well. I'm sorry. Uh, June (laughs) June 14th. This is something I figured happened way before the 90s, but Mm -hmm. here we go. June 14th. Ruth Bader Ginsburg is nominated to the United States Supreme Court by President Bill Clinton. Wow. That's a big one. Yeah. Well, remember 30 odd years ago almost. So, yeah, this uh, my my gauge of what the world was in 1993 is very off, I'd say. Mm hmm. Because, like, I feel like all this stuff happened so much longer ago. And there's no way 1993 was as long ago as it was. Mm-hmm. Because that's gross. And that means my sister is almost 30 as well. Yep. Which is also gross. Yep. My sister is a lot younger than me. And that's also Not gross. a lot. Shit, you're younger than me. And the fact that she's almost 30 means I'm almost 38. And that's old. You monster. Anyway. <laughs> Shall we talk about the box office? Yes, let's. In the summer months of 93. So we all know Steven Spielberg invented the summer blockbuster. Mm -hmm. So another big creature feature from Spielberg, shocker of all shockers. We know this is going to be dominating the summer. But especially since the book itself was a big blockbuster release. But I remember seeing the book on shelves. Well, we both read the the book too. Yeah, but I mean, I I remember being, I distinctly, remember being in a convenience store mm. and a copy of the book was on one of those turnstiles with, mm-hmm. with books. And I believe that was the first time I ever saw Jurassic Park in any form. Was the really? Book on, and I remember being like, what is this? And then the movie came out much Fairly later. soon after, yeah. right? Yeah. So, well, the summer started out with another fairly famous movie, Indecent Proposal, mm-hmm. the number one movie leading into the summer blockbuster season with four weeks at number one. Wow. Uh, but then after that was a steady stream of fairly forgettable, lukewarm fare. Uh, we had Dragon, the Bruce Lee story, Dave, <laughs> Sliver, which I've never heard of, and then Cliffhanger. Which led into June, where Jurassic Park roared onto the scene oh, with a record shattering debut of $47 million on its release weekend. It then followed up with a second record, which was the biggest second week take for a movie at $38 million. Stayed number one for three weeks total, and that was beaten by The Firm at $32 million. Overall, the top movies of the year were Jurassic Park at $357 million. Mrs. Delphire at 219 and The Fugitive at 183. I do you remember these numbers are all domestic in year releases? So Mrs. Doubtfire came out near the end of the year, which we've talked about, made a lot of its money in 94, but we still count it as 93. So anyway, mm-hmm. just because when people were like, wait a minute, Jurassic Park made blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, no inflation, all domestic. It just keeps everything fairly fair going forward. That's right, all. Right. So if you don't mind, if I maybe mention my viewing of Jurassic Park for the first time. Well, technically, first. Uh, you, this is your pick. So late, it's your choice to go first. Okay. But I just, because I feel like. I'm going to go on for a while because I will. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you said it, not yeah. me. I feel like most <laughs> of this podcast will be. It's exactly when we talked about Scream. I talk more about Scream and everything else, and you just kind of supplemented. Whereas. This is your favorite movie. I'm just going to let you go. And this was your pick. And yeah, because I really wanted to watch it. You I was unleashed re- a monster, hun. I Every once in a while, you just feel like watching Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. So I saw this movie in theaters mm-hmm. when it came out. And like I said, my sister was born in March of 93. And my mom took me to see this after she was born in theaters as like a mommy daughter day of just the two of us going out and honestly i have no idea who watched my sister while i was while we were out because i feel like it might not have been my dad right (laughs) uh so anyway it probably was but still no he probably would have wanted to come with us so i don't know where my sister was at the time but anyway and the only thing i remember about this movie in theaters is the scene with the the raptors in the kitchen Mm -hmm. 
and being so scared I didn't watch it. Mm-hmm. And then my mom, after being like, oh, what'd you think? And she, that was her favorite scene in the movie. And she was like, oh, and the best part was when the girl was pulling down on the the cabinet trying to get it closed. And then the raptor ran into her reflection because yeah. of stainless steel. And I was like, yeah, that was great. Meanwhile, I didn't watch it because I was so scared. Mm-hmm. And on to you. On to me. <laughs> so, yeah, you're right. I'm going to go on for a while. <laughs> As a kid, dinosaurs was my favorite thing. Like I, w- I would go, I was not a cool kid that had a lot of friends. I would spend my library time reading the same 10 books about dinosaurs, like just checking them out over and over and over again. And when I, I also mentioned, I, I distinctly remember seeing the Jurassic Park novel with it because it had the logo, like the logo was well established of the T-Rex. Yes. With the, yeah. So that, that was on the cover and that caught my eye immediately. And I was like, what, what is this? What is this? My dad wouldn't let me buy it because I wasn't ready for a big book like that. And I mean, fair. Yeah. Well, I mean, because it was a, you know, I, I I was eight years old, you know, like. You would have been nine. N- no, oh, for the not, book. Not for Sorry, the, the book. For the book. You would have been eight. I would have been eight. Yeah. Well, I still would have been eight for the movie when it released, depending on when I saw it. I couldn't tell you the date I saw it, but I can I can tell you that I, I did see the movie in theaters and I was over the moon so hyped for this movie and the thing i wanted to see the most was the t-rex and i remember clearly sitting in the theater we were in like the third row because i wanted to see everything up close i was with my dad and i was with my brother and the scene happens where the goat leg falls on the on the car and the camera pans up and the t-rex comes out of the bushes and he looks into the camera and that's when i got up and i said I have to go to the bathroom and I walked away (laughs) because I was so scared of the T-Rex. My dad like followed me out and was like, are you scared or do you actually have to go to the bathroom? And I'm like, oh yeah, no, I gotta go to the bathroom. He's like, well, I'm not going to go in there with you. You're eight years old. So, you know, help yourself kind of a thing. And but he stayed outside like he didn't go back into the movie. He stayed outside of the bathroom. I was like such a 90s thing for a parent to just like let their kid wander off in a movie theater. No. So he stayed he stayed outside of the bathroom. But I went into the bathroom and I basically just stood in the bathroom and paced back and forth until my dad came back in. He's like, are you going to the bathroom or what are you doing? (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I just got to wash my hands. And then we went back and and I could still hear the T-Rex scene happening. And my dad's like, well, I'm going back in. And I just stayed outside the theater with the door open, listening to the whole scene happen. And I didn't go back in until maybe the car scene, like where they're in the tree. Oh, my God. I missed the whole T-Rex scene the first time. Good thing there's more T-Rex scenes in the movie. Yeah. So I I did go back and I was able to watch the rest of the movie. For whatever reason, the Raptors didn't scare me as much as the T-Rex did. I guess by that point, the T-Rex had come back again and... and and I, I guess they saw the Dilophosaurus and, and all that stuff. But I, yeah, I just re- distinctly remember the moment when the T-Rex looks into the camera and I just stood up and went, I have to go to the bathroom and left. <laughs> so I never I never saw it again in, th- in theaters as a kid. Basically, any chance I had to go see Jurassic Park in theaters again as an like yeah, we've, the, we've gone. We, we went and saw you've seen yeah. it with me in theaters. I've seen it at least two more times in theaters older never i didn't see it again during its original theatrical run i've seen it twice in re-releases we got the vhs i wore that vhs out like i'm sure sure it's like your your screen copy if we were to throw it in vhs it would disintegrate for the same reasons i bought it as soon as i could on dvd i bought it as soon as i could on blu-ray i i don't have a 4k tv and that's the only reason we don't own it on 4k blu-ray at this point the, the Jurassic Park was my life as a, as a child. I had tons of toys. I mean, the, my T-Rex figure, I, I guess it's a figure, you know. Yeah. We still have it. It's, it's, it's a in, toy. It's a toy, but it, it was until we started packing the move in the next room sitting on top of a shelf. Turns out that thing, if you still have it in the box, is worth a ton of money. Obviously, we, mine is very well loved. Yeah. A lot of toys are like that, right? Like something for a popular franchise, if it's that old and in the box and in mint condition. Yeah. Those things are going to be worth money. Yeah. No, I loved Jurassic park. It was my life as a child. I have Jurassic park 
board game. I had a We've ton of it. We've played it several times. We have. It's, it's actually a, pretty fun. It's a lot of fun. And, and that is also something that's worth a lot of money. And I didn't know that until very recently. But like I made my own park fences out of cardboard boxes. Like I, I would cut them up and make them like fences and stuff. And, and then I would wreck them with the dinosaurs. And oh, yeah, yeah no. It, when I was a kid, Jurassic Park was my life. And it has continued. Anytime there's any sort of like, oh, there's a, a new Jurassic Park. New, you know, they, they're bringing the series back with for the first time in years. Oh, yeah. No, I'll be I'll be right there. It, I've, it's, I've seen every Jurassic Park movie in theaters and only one of them I haven't liked. I can guess which one that is. Yeah. Yeah. Because you told me. But yeah. So there you go. That That's that's my long history with Jurassic Park. So shall we shall we get into the rewatch of the movie? Yeah, let's. So it's kind of a letdown. No, <laughs> I didn't like any of the characters. Get out. It's over. Our marriage does not survive this podcast. No, no. I, <laughs> I, I remember like that opening scene with them unloading the Raptor mm-hmm. is, is iconic. Yeah. It's like, there's just enough mystery of like what's in the cage. Well, the thing is, is right at the beginning, you don't know it's a cage. So like, uh, I was assuming we were going to see the T-Rex immediately. Yeah. When I, especially when I, when I was a kid, like that's, um, you know, when I was a kid that I, I thought that's what was coming out was a T-Rex. And then I obviously I've, you know, when we watched it the other night, I, I was well aware of what was coming up, but that's the thing about that scene. Like if, if you've never seen that movie before, it's a great, like, Oh, what dinosaur is showing up right now? Is it the dinosaurs are coming already? And Oh, no, it's, it's, it's actually a box. Like it's <laughs> so. classic. Spielberg that you don't see anything mm-hmm. for quite a long time mm-hmm. to build up the anticipation because if it was just like yeah if they'd shown the raptor in the in the cage like there's obviously the tease of the, of the raptor if they show the raptor right away then you don't get that brachiosaur moment yeah and like that that brachiosaur moment needs to be there because it sets the tone for the rest of the movie. And it has to be. And I, I feel like it, if they had shown like the T-Rex or any carnivore mm. for the first dinosaur you truly see, yeah, it would have been like cool. Mm. But there's a difference because there's a threat to that. Mm. Whereas showing the Brachiosaurus and then leading into the, what would those be, Parasol- yeah, there's, there's, it's Parasol that you see next. Yeah, but like showing these peaceful, beautiful veggie sores, mm-hmm. <laughs> like as your first and like awe inspiringly huge dinosaurs first. Like if they if they just thrown a T Rex in, the reaction they would have gotten wouldn't have been you know just flabbergasted awe it would have been like holy shit that is a t-rex that we gotta run mm-hmm. and there's a difference and it really set the tone that this movie isn't a horror movie though it has elements of horror but it is a something else mm-hmm. it's not meant to be scary despite taking some elements of horror it is meant to be an epic mm-hmm. i think is the only way to really describe it Mm-hmm. Anyway, so the movie from there it goes into introducing the characters, mm-hmm. and I I like the way that that it does it because it, it you get to know kind of the stakes before you get to know the characters. Mm-hmm. The scene with the lawyer it, it it fills in a little bit of backstory of what happened after the first scene, and then kind of what the stakes are of oh yeah you know we need the park needs to be signed off on by experts and then we meet our experts and then we go for the rest of the movie with them. And not just that they do a good job of like, it's not just like Hammond shows up and he's like, Hey, you know, Dr. Grant, Dr. Sadler come to my Island. And they're not just like, okie dokie. Mm-hmm. Let's abandon what we're working on. Like it sets up like Hammond's the one who's already funding their dig. And he will fund it for three more years. They just need to come to his park for the weekend, sign off on it as experts. That's it. And it's like for their job, they they really have no choice. Mm-hmm. 
like they're obviously passionate about what they do. Yeah, which is nice because they before the Hammond scene, you see them basically enjoying their job. They're no. doing the dig. You know, the, the, that scene happens where Grant tries to scare a child to death for the rest of his life. They're, they're clearly knowledgeable about what it is they're there for. They're passionate about it. So, you know, it makes sense that they're that they're the ones who are, are going. And it gives you an idea of, hey, not only are these interesting people, but they are knowledgeable in what we're going to be seeing for the rest of the movie as well. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like, it's it does a good job of setting up how much of an expert these two have to be mm. and why they've picked these two. And in the book, it gets actually, like a, we said, we both read the book. It gets a lot more into, because Timmy talks about this other paleontologist backer. Yeah. And it gets into this, like, there's actually a big, you know, um, rivalry between Grant and backer in the book. Mm. Like, he doesn't like backer and their theories about different dinosaurs are opposing. And I do like that, in a sense that is still referenced in the movie, which obviously the first 10 times I saw it until I read the book, I had no idea about it. So the fact that Timmy is being like, Oh, I read this book by, you know, Dr. Backer and, Mm -hmm. you know, Grant not giving that even like a second thought is a nice kind of like nod to that rivalry in the book. You know, you know, what's really funny too is Backer is a real person. Yes. And Backer also is a consultant on the film and it's sequel and they basically made a character in the sequel who is backer really yeah like do you remember the guy there's like a bearded guy in like a cowboy hat that helps out in the second one his appearance is based on backer where does he help out he's part of the ingen team interesting yeah they have their own dinosaur expert and he's their dinosaur expert interesting mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, he's based on on Backer, and I thought that was really funny. But anyway, yes, so we we meet our main heroes, and then we kind of are drip-fed some more interesting characters. We meet Nedry, and, and I like that. It's something I never really understood when I was a kid, but the more I watched the movie, the more I understood, is despite the fact that Hammond says constantly we spared no expense, as the movie goes on, you find out they spared a lot of expenses. Yeah. And one of those expenses is Nedry, his paycheck. Well, that's the thing. Like Nedry even says about how much he bid for the job. Mm-hmm. And so as a kid, obviously, I had no idea what that meant. But now mm-hmm. as an adult, and there's there's all sorts of things. Like There's stories of like astronauts, you know, being strapped into the, the rockets going into space and like having thoughts of like, oh, God, the people who built this were the lowest bidders and mm-hmm. stuff, right? Like. Going with the lowest bidder is always a bad idea. Yes. Like, <laughs> well, so, think about our, our neighbor. He went with the lowest bidder on his roof, and now he's having done, to get it redone. Having to get it redone and signing NDA so he doesn't have to do a lawsuit. Yeah. <laughs> like, so it's just, there's a, I understand. And it's because Hammond is obviously a wealthy man, but he's yes. got investors too, because he can't, he can't afford I mean, these like geneticists who are not only just working on regular genetics that like literally inventing a new field of genetics like Mm -hmm. this park must have cost billions in 90s money yes like let alone today money so to do all this and the time because it's not like they just hatch a dino and then like a week later it's full size like they've got full-size brachiosaurs those things must have been growing for like three or four years at least like how long do you think it takes a brachiosaur to grow probably a long time i would assume yeah I assume he's sunk a lot of money into this park, which even for the lowest bidder is still probably a lot of money, but you don't want to cheap out either. But I guess when you got investors, you have no choice. And let's get into the economics of Jurassic Park. <laughs> Exciting. So we meet Dr. Malcolm, who obviously is Jeff awesome. Goldblum and is amazing. And the, the, we get to the island and then the Brachiosaurus scene happens. and. One thing that I've always thought about that's a funny thing about the movie that's just really it's something you have to suspend your disbelief on because because it's alluded to that Malcolm knows what they're going to see and the lawyer obviously knows what they're going Mm -hmm. to see and Hammond obviously knows what they're going to see. But it's basically Grant and Ellie have no idea. They just they're, they're like which obviously in turn means that that moment happens like when they see the the first dinosaur and they're absolutely amazed. But 
from Montana to get to Costa Rica to then get on a helicopter and fly a significant amount of time must have passed. And oh. no one tells them what they're going to see for like like two days or something like that. It's not going to be two days. Well, so no. You think but- about Montana, probably to a hub like maybe Dallas. Then Dallas to Costa Rica is probably a good six hours, and then another helicopter of probably two hours. I mean, probably, if it's all maybe if it's all private, it's jets. probably like yeah. And you, oh god, of course it's going to be private jet. Yeah. I mean they they're definitely flying private, so there's probably an airplane. Right? They're not waiting for transfers and stuff. So mm-hmm. chances are it wasn't that long. Like probably I would peg it like eight hours. Okay, still a fairly long trip. But- still very long, fairly long trip to not tell anybody what they're like. Could you imagine being in that? Okay, so you say you're in an eight hour flight, and it's like, okay, so what? So what are we going to see at the theme park? You'll see, it's like a dinosaur eight- theme park. It's a yeah, but like, yeah, okay, fine. They say dinosaur theme park, but still, you'd probably be like, what the hell am I here for? Well, and Malcolm has probably been because he's very much like son of a bitch. He did it. Yeah, yeah. And it's like he probably was told like. This is the it. aim of the park yeah. and doesn't believe that it's actually come to fruition. Mm-hmm. Cuz like who would? Right. Even after seeing those movies, if I found out this was happening, I'd be like, no. No, I feel no. like it's going to be animatronics. Mm-hmm. Cuz like still cool. We've seen like the walking with dinosaurs where there's people in suits and animatronics and stuff and like And those same people also made a Jurassic Park Oh, right. We were going to go to that. that we, we were going to bring our child to. Yeah, it was going to be our first major thing that we did with our son. Like, like, like a show. Event, a big show. But, of course, COVID happened and the show got canceled. Yeah. Um, I forgot about that. Anyway. Yeah. Bah, bah, bah. But then the scene happens with the Brachiosaur. And it's still, like, just so well done. And what I really love about it, and, and this is something that's done throughout the entire movie, is they do, I mean, obviously, the people who made this movie know what they're doing. They do a really good job of creating scale in this movie, mm-hmm. like just in general. And basically, if there's a dinosaur in any scene in the movie, there is usually something in the scene with them to give them scale. And in this case, it's obviously it's the people who are with them, like that you see how big the people are and they show everything. It's usually shown from the point of view of the people like there's no real shots there's maybe one or two that are like oh this is up from high you know yeah. like looking down like there's a, i can think of one shot during the t-rex attack where the flashlight is shining up in the t-rex's face and you're looking the camera is pointed at the t-rex looking down on them and that's really the only shot that i can think of where the, for the most part it's not from the point of view well, no, well, the, the kids with the glass over their head like when they're holding on to it you see the camera come down on the kids with the glass okay yeah yeah but for the most part you the shots, you're yeah. right but i yeah. just i'm just pointing out like they do have the very infrequent yeah clips of it not so mm-hmm. but but like between that and the fact that there's a lot of sequences of scenes where like if there's not a person in the shot the the scene is usually shot through something mm-hmm. like the raptor through the window in the kitchen door or mm-hmm. the the t-rex is actually seen through the window of the car like there, there's a lot of stuff like that where it's like here you know here's a here's a something to give you an idea of of the scale of, of these creatures and how big they are and I, something I always really liked about this movie is is and, and the other movies in the series don't do it anywhere near as well yeah. Well, I mean, none of the other movies in the series do any of it as well. Like, let's be real. This is the best one mm-hmm. by far. But yeah, one of the things and I will note about the Brachiosaurus. Mm-hmm. And then also at several other instances through the film, because this is the first movie where CG was really. Yeah, like there were movies with it, but this real. Is, yeah, this was the first movie that it was like a major part of the film and and done so well. Mm -hmm. But I will say watching it now, because we, we own it, but because all our stuff is in boxes. Yes. We watched it on prime. Mm -hmm. And we watched it on not like a 4k TV, which I can only imagine what it would look like on 4k, which probably sounds good. But unless you have like a updated copy, you know what I mean? Yeah. They might've tweaked some of it, but Watching on a streaming service on 
because our we watched it on what the PS4. Yeah. So that upscales, mm-hmm. and then watching it. Well, they would have had. I mean, obviously, there's Blu-ray copies of it, so it's their HD definition. Well, either definition way, version. watching it now, you do start to see the CG a bit more. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? No, no, it does. I, the, this is something I thought of as well. Is I still think the effects are very like they have aged very well. Yes, like this is not early bad CG at all like this is this is still there is still a lot easier to figure out like okay that's obviously the cg same with all the effects even the animatronics like there's i know a lot about this movie so i know for the fact that when they were filming all the scenes in in the rain with the t-rex is what would happen is after a certain amount of time in filming the styrofoam skin of the t-rex would absorb water and the t-rex would start to shake and, and they would have to stop filming and dry it down. And there are a few shots in the movie, not many, where the T-Rex moves and it has a bit of a to it. It's it's not it's it's something that you can notice if you're really looking for it. But it's not it's it was something that I've noticed a lot more lately, but I could still completely overlook it because it's so well. Well, that's the that thing. So and like, good. there's there's just a few scenes now that I, because it is a movie I don't think I've seen as much as you, but I have seen it a lot mm-hmm. where just technology has gotten to the point where the quality of what you're watching on your TV is good enough that you can really start to see the, there's no fuzz. You know what I mean? There's nothing to hi- the, hide the blemishes. Mm-hmm. And those blemishes are there when they're not hidden. So some of the, you can kind of see it on just, they're just not quite real. Did you see the one wire? <gasps> no. There's one wire in the movie. That, Where? Uh, there might be more than one, but I know that they've actually removed it from newer versions, like the 4K uh, version. They've actually taken it out. But when the Dilophosaurus, when the Dilophosaurus's frill comes out, you can see a wire pulling it out. It's very fast. Uh, it's very fast. But I believe they've actually CG'd it okay. out of newer versions of the movie. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I can imagine that make that makes sense though for like how else would they do it? Because yeah. that that is a very that scene. I would say, and maybe it's because there's the rain and everything to kind of hide some of the. I don't know. Like you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the scene you said about the T Rex in the rain having that like where you can kind of see it have that little bit of a shake. Little shake. Yeah. I feel like that is one of the better, more realistic scenes of the whole movie. Like the the raptors in the kitchen has got some of that. They're not really there blur to them. Mm-hmm. The brachiosauruses have it. But the, the triceratops looks great. Yeah. So anything that's animatronic looks phenomenal. Anything with CG just has that little bit of uncanny valiness at this point because the quality is so good. I, I felt that they had a little bit of a, it, it seemed like there was a little bit of a miscoloring from the background almost. Yes. Where that's like, a good way to put it. Yeah. Where they just slightly pop slightly more like they, yeah. the, the, co- the lighting. The, yeah. Isn't the quite light. The yeah, same. exactly. The, there is still one shot in the movie that is absolutely impressive, which is when the flashlights turn on during the T-Rex attack scene. The, the point of view of the camera is in Grant's, car he and malcolm are sitting there and the t-rex is over top of the car you know roaring at the car and then the flashlight turns on and the t-rex looks at the car and then walks over towards the car that is the only shot in the movie that uses both the cg and the animatronic Mm, the animatronic the animatronic is at the beginning and as the camera moves forward because you can see the T-Rex through the sunroof window. Yeah. As it moves forward, the sunroof is cropped out and you're looking through the front window of the car and the T-Rex from that point on it, when he walks towards the car is obviously the CG one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like I always love that that transition. It's just one shot and it has both in it and it's it's, it's awesome. And you want to actually know the best way you can tell which uh, which is the CG T-Rex and which is the the animatronic T-Rex. Okay. The CG T-Rex's arms are longer. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Never mm. would have noticed. The the, uh, the eye placement and the nose is slightly different, but it's way more obvious when you look at the arms. Huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Never would have like paid attention to those two things to that 
degree. Because, like, I know I'm criticizing, again, that we're the CG where you can see it's CG now at this point. Yeah. But it's not so much that I'm looking for it. It's just that your brain detects the difference now. Yeah. It's not like it took me out of the movie. Exactly. Yeah. But your brain at this point, the quality is just so good that your brain can't ignore it. Mm-hmm. And there is something about it that your brain just says that's not right, which is why they call it like it's uncanny valley, right? Where same thing with like anything else that falls into that category. It's like, even though you are suspending disbelief and blah, 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 your brain has this thing where it just can't ignore something that is just ever so slightly off, Mm -hmm. which is like a defense mechanism or something to protect us from, I don't know, CG dinosaurs, I guess. So, (laughs) (laughs) but still, Mm -hmm. yeah, like one thing and this one, and then like we both read Lost World. Yep. And we both read Jurassic Park. And we've obviously both seen them. And then there is the the new movies where it's the same thing. There's always kids in these movies. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess that's integral to it being a Jurassic Park movie at this point. But I kind of almost hope the third one does, or the third, well, the third of the, the new ones the new doesn't one? have kids in it because mm-hmm. I don't know. They're just, the kids are always kind of annoying. I It's funny that you bring that up for this because I, I, I did want to. Because they're in. doing a third one, right? They are doing, yeah. The well, Dominion. sixth one. Fallen. No, sorry. Jurassic World Dominion is the new one. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, I, it's funny that you bring up the kids because I, I did want to bring that up for this viewing because I've been watching this movie for almost 30 years. And it's like you said, the kids are kind of annoying in this movie. Yes. This is the first time this viewing, this last viewing is the first time that I wasn't annoyed by the kids. Really? And the scenes with Grant and the kids brought a tear to my eye. Yes, that you told me. Well, you yes. told Twitter. and I, I told Twitter and you were like, what? We watched it in the dark. You weren't looking at me. but I was looking at dinosaurs. You were watching the dinosaurs. It was the scene. It was the scene where Grant is in the tree with the kids and he's keeping them safe. Mm-hmm. That was the moment that got me. It was oh. just, yeah, it, it was just like, I mean, I'm a dad now. I get it. You yeah. know, like, and I, I'm a hundred percent. That's the reason why I'm like, these kids aren't annoying. You know, like, I, I mean, on one hand, it's like, yes, they're being annoying, but it wasn't annoying me. Okay. That's fair. I, and you know what? I feel the same. I feel like the kids were fairly, they're useless. Yes. Well, except for one, one is a hacking genius, but the other one was, she doesn't even hack anything. She I just know, goes from, I know. She's just going through the freaking documents being like, what makes sense? She's not hacking anything. She doesn't crack a password. No, but I mean, in, in comparison for usefulness, does, does Tim, you know, unlock to a door fair, or anything or how many of us could have worked a Unix system in 1993? That's true. I could not have at that age. No. Exactly. Well, she was also a rich kid growing up, obviously. So, so. she had the access to a unit. Yeah, system. but still, like the kids, you're right. As someone with children, I'm like, these kids are fairly realistic in a lot of stuff. Like Tim just bugging Dr. Grant. Like yes. that, Tim is you. <laughs> Tim is me talking about dinosaurs? Yes. As a kid? That's 100% probably what I was like as a, well, no, you're saying like, that's what I'm talking about now when it comes to dinosaurs. No, as a kid, but mm-hmm. also now. You yeah. would be like, if you met, the if Dr. Grant was real and yes. you met Dr. Grant. I would probably be so annoying and make him hate me immediately. Exactly. This is why I never want to meet any of my heroes. Exactly. It's, I, want to, I want to destroy Barnes it. Yeah. yeah. You can't disappoint a picture. You can't disappoint a picture. Yeah. <laughs> and to be fair, as a kid, I feel like I would have been a combo of Lex and Tim because mm-hmm. like I would have been a bit of both. And Kids are annoying. Like kids are annoying to adults. Kids are annoying to everyone except their own parents. And even then, sometimes they annoy their own parents a lot too. Mm-hmm. I mean, as a parent now, I get that. The kids weren't written to be annoying. They were written to be children. Yeah. But at the same time, it would be interesting to see them do something different where they don't have kids constantly in peril through the whole movie which is every movie that they've done so far i could do without kids in peril do you want to you haven't i guarantee you haven't seen this just because i feel like it's not something that you would have sought out have you seen battle at big rock i don't even know what battle at big rock is. battle at big rock is a short film that they made that takes place after fallen kingdom it is showing a glimpse of what the world is like now that dinosaurs are free in the world 
and it is a camper, like a like a shanty camping town, you know, like a trailer park of people who are living there, and dinosaurs show up, and they fart, start, and they start fighting. They fart. They fart fighting. <laughs> they start fighting, and there is so much child peril in that ten minutes short that it is especially I, that is something that i've seen as a parent but this is the first time i've seen jurassic park as a parent so yeah that was like that's a lot of child peril there's literally like a baby put in biting distance by a major carnivore <laughs> like it's that's the it's it's like the the pinnacle of children in danger in one of these movies so okay so does everybody now live in like shanty like camper towns or is it just it's just in this location how these people choose to live because like i feel like there weren't that many dinosaurs to have taken over the earth they're breeding though they're free they're doing whatever they want now yeah but it's not like tigers have taken over the earth not like elephants have taken over the earth we've killed them all off yeah they would just kill off all these dinosaurs too humans kind of do that to a lot of things like if that's the direction they're going with the new movie that dinosaurs have like taken over the earth I don't think I will like it because it's just not I don't don't care that using frog DNA is not realistic when really they're closely related to birds. Uh I don't care that like this park literally timeline wise, he must have been working on this thing for 20 years and been growing these dinosaurs for so long secretly without anybody knowing about it. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't care that none of this stuff is actually feasible. I can suspend my disbelief, but I cannot. For the amount of dinosaurs that there were, imagine that the dinosaurs have taken over the earth when we have automatic weapons. Mm-hmm. It's just not feasible. This isn't Godzilla. Mm-hmm. The biggest bad of the whole thing is going to be a T-Rex. And like, how big is a T-Rex compared to other land animals at this time? Like of, currently. Of this time? How much bigger is a T-Rex than an elephant? longer definitely i think they're height wise slightly around the same height i'm gonna google it what's bigger t-rex or elephant well t-rex t-rex would have weighed between 5,000 7,000 kilograms with skin and flesh and its huge bones that's about as much as the largest african elephant we've killed off most of the elephants i don't think the t-rex stands a chance and elephants will fuck you up uh-huh like elephants have been known to exact vengeance on people and towns, whole mm-hmm. towns. And we still killed most of them. If this movie is about dinosaurs having taken over the earth, like unless these dinosaurs figured out the friggin' nuclear launch codes, <laughs> the dinosaurs did not take over the earth. I want to see that movie. <laughs> Sounds T-Rex, like an asylum picture. T-Rex on the phone with the president. Just Those tiny little, no, arms. little arms and like, Enter the launch codes. I can't. I can't click, reach. Click, 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 click. Yeah, it's not gonna happen. So I might be completely wrong about what this movie's about, but if it's about that, I'm gonna be sitting there. I'm gonna have that look on my face. You know that look on my face. I'm gonna be sitting there with my arms crossed, being like, the one that you had on your face five minutes into Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, that yeah. movie was garbage. That movie was. Fantastic. But that's not what we're talking about right here. And we're also not talking about the new Jurassic Park. We're talking about the old one. I understand. I know. Quite the tangent here. I just pointing out the fact that, yes, this movie, everything about it, is it any of this feasible right now? The way it's presented? It's 1993. Mm -hmm. No. Is it possible maybe in the future? Who knows? They did find a whole dinosaur. Like with mummy, mummified, mummified, what it was, ankylosaur. Yeah. There's a chance that they could do this. They could pull this off, especially now that science understands that dinosaurs are more closely related to birds and lizards and reptiles. Mm-hmm. And Elon Musk is uh, Lex Luthering it as much as he can these days. Hey, he's just crazy. I don't want to talk about him. He's not a good person. Let's not go on more tangents, shall we? No, let's not. If he got eaten by a T Rex, I wouldn't be sad about it. Anyway, back to the movie that. The show is about Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure where we should be hopping in because we've really just talked about like the effects more than anything. We haven't talked about really the movie. And well, we talked about the kids. Can we talk about because I'm sure because you'll talk about Grant later. I'm sure we'll we'll we're not going to like we'll leave that as an end note and not like a blip. But like, I know you're going to want to talk about Dr. Grant. Can we talk about some of the supporting characters like 
we all know everyone loves Ian Malcolm. We don't need, but like the cast is filled out with strong supporting characters. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean like, again, like Hammond is not a supporting character. He's a main character. Mm-hmm. The kids are main characters. Malcolm's the main character. But You're I'm talking, talking about more like Muldoon, Muldoon and Nedry, Arnold, and- Arnold mm-hmm. like the lawyer. Like they're all really well f- like fleshed out characters, even with their limited screen time. Mm-hmm. Heck, even the, the Amber dealer at the beginning, he's, he's great. He's yeah. fascinating in his five minutes on screen. Mm-hmm. Every role in this movie is so well acted. Like it, it's all believable. Yeah. Like, and the only person who I have a moment of like, not even suspension of disbelief and all that, blah, blah, blah is Nedry. And only because he plays characters like that in so many movies. Right. And TV shows. Like he, he basically Newman. Yeah. So like, that's what he's known for, but not the same as 30 rock from the sun. So he tends to be like a, squirrely weasley yeah. annoying guy and that's what he is in this too but like even a guy like samuel jackson i always forget is in this movie and dies in this movie even though he's a huge actor just because like arguably he is the the biggest actor out of this film if you look at today yeah oh yeah by far yeah. The, the who has the most like he's you know doing marvel movies and like he's a huge name like he's a box office draw and you could put literally anyone else in the movie as like your lead actor and they wouldn't have the same draw as Sam Jackson. Mm-hmm. Like not a single one. So you're right. But like casting wise, phenomenal. Whoever the casting director is good work. Mm-hmm. And just all the performances are fantastic. Like sad to learn that the actor who plays Muldoon. Cause I was like, he's really like believable as you know, this British safari, you know, guy. Yeah. He actually passed away not long ago after this movie came out. Oh, really? Cancer. Oh, that's yeah. unfortunate. But still, like, and future movies, again, well acted, but none capture the believability of the characters like this one does. Mm-hmm. Like, their motivations are all very clear without it being spelled out. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So anyway... I'll let you talk about, you know, the top three. What, whatever, whatever, whatever I want. No, I because like if we're gonna talk about characters. Obviously, like the most popular character to come out of this movie is not Doctor Grant. It's Doctor Malcolm. It's Doctor Malcolm. Yeah, and I can see why he's classic. Now, okay, I have a question for you because you know all about Jurassic Park mm. and the ins and outs. Was Jeff Goldblum the top choice to play Ian Malcolm, or was there someone else in mind first? You know what? That I don't know, oh, actually. Because like at least we both read the books and uh, full on kid picture Jeff Goldblum was Dr. Malcolm. Like it's just the way it's even written. It mm. makes sense. But like I doubt because like I mean, he was in the fly and like Earth Girls are easy before this. But like this is what made him a big star. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I doubt Michael Crichton was picturing Jeff Goldblum when he made this wrote this book well the interesting thing too is is malcolm in the book dies Mm -hmm. and he was only brought back and they said like oh actually he was in a coma that appeared like death yeah the sequel preemptive because of how yeah because of how popular the character was and and he also survives in the movie too yeah so yeah no like the the main three characters were like i mean especially dr grant as you said like i've talked about this on other episodes of the podcast after seeing jurassic park alan Grant Sam Neill became my favorite actor and I needed to see every movie that he was in. And I'm pretty sure the next few movies he was in were like weird horror movies and stuff, which I didn't end up seeing, but, but yeah, no. So like, I I think the fact that Sam Neill isn't Tom Cruise or something like that really adds to the movie. Oh yeah. Like the fact that, that the, the main characters, you know, some of them, they obviously they've gone on to be, big names because of this movie but like you know nobody this isn't a bruce willis vehicle this isn't a schwarzenegger movie you know things like that there's no big name that that really steals the spotlight because that's this is the time of where you saw the movie for the actor not so much for the movie itself we're now now uh, whereas now we are in the you see it because of the franchise not because of the the actor playing the role in a lot of cases 
So a quick Google. Yes. Some of the people who screen tested for the role apparently were Johnny Depp, Bruce Campbell, Michael Keaton, Ted Danson, Michael J. Fox, and Steve Gutenberg. And uh, Jim Carrey was up for the role. But then even the guy who played Dogson auditioned for Ian Malcolm. Mm-hmm. So there you go. It wasn't just a, an open and shut case. It, it They did have some big names come in on audition. But I, I feel like you're right. And I feel like you're especially right for Dr. Grant because Sam Neill has an everyman quality about mm-hmm. him. And Dr. Grant isn't a superstar. He's not all about being like charismatic and blah, blah. he's dedicated to his work. Yeah. Like it's very clear. Like doesn't care about having kids. Doesn't care about anything else. He doesn't care about getting wined and dined to go judge. Like see if some park is actually viable. He's like, no, I got a dick to do. Yeah. And like to cast someone who has that, He's a Tom Cruise-ness to them. Yeah, he doesn't. He's not a movie star with good looks. I mean, he's a very attractive. man. He's an so attractive let's... man, but I know. But what I mean is, it's not like again, it's not the Tom Cruise or or that kind of a thing. You know, it's not the square jawed, you know, nice hair action star. Like, yeah. like by the end of the movie, Grant looks like a, you know, like he fell down a hill for twelve minutes, and yeah, <laughs> you know, like he, he's fairly disheveled by but the he... end. You know, he looks like, like someone who would be comfortable doing that. Yeah. He, he looks like someone who'd be comfortable on a dinosaur dig site. He, like he's yeah. not an unattractive person, but he's mm. not how more I would say anything, how he carries himself is like Sam Neill as a person is like a sheep farmer. Mm. Like literally in like New Zealand. Mm. I follow him on Twitter. Sometimes he shares stuff about ducks and sheep. So like he just seems like a general guy which again a character like ian malcolm i don't think could shake a big hollywood name attached to it Mm -hmm. i mean you'd always be like well that's tom cruise well that's who else was huge in 93 kevin costner yeah that's kevin costner that's um i don't know 93 was a long time ago schwarzenegger could you rush could you imagine schwarzenegger (laughs) And I think maybe that, and so we keep, it's hard not to compare this movie to its sequels because none of them live up to it. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's part of the issue with the with newer the, movies. The sequels too. Is there's not as much of a solid. Because by Chris the time. Chris Pratt is yeah. a huge star. By the and not time, only yeah. That, but like Chris Pratt kind of plays the same character in every movie. I mean, he was definitely different as Andy Dwyer than he is, but he. His character in Jurassic Park is very similar to his character in Guardians of the Galaxy, which well, are, the, are two arguably is what he's known for. Which is funny because actually in the Lego movie 2, he plays a character who is a direct parody of all of the action hero characters that he plays to the point where the character has a raptor helping him. Oh. Do you not remember that? You don't remember that at all, do you? Did I see Lego movie We two? watched the second Lego movie. We got it from the library. I don't remember it all. Yeah. So anyway, the other thing too is, and again, this is probably something that doesn't help by being this day and age, but I feel like even then, we know we still had paparazzi and stuff. Nobody cares what Sam Neill's up to in his downtime, whereas Chris Pratt is paparazzi fair. Yeah. Like he's divorced a well-known cheater kind of a shitty person it's hard to shake that Mm -hmm. from your leading man in a movie when inevitably you know it's like oh there's a presser about you know the new Jurassic park movie and it's like oh did you hear the new thing that chris pratt did Mm -hmm. with his church that he goes to that is Mm anti-gay it comes up it's hard to shake that so when you go into the movie you're aware of that going in meanwhile when i would see this movie like even now, like besides the fact that it's like someone retweeted him on Twitter, like, and every once in a while he posts a video with a sheep. I don't really know what Sam Neill's up to. Yeah, I'm sure he he keeps it that way on purpose, which is smart. Mm-hmm. And again, that that works better to absorb yourself into a movie because, like, same thing with Pirates of the Caribbean. You always know you're watching Johnny Depp, no matter how good a job he does. You always know it's Johnny Depp because it's Johnny Depp. Same mm-hmm. with Tom Cruise. You always know you're watching Tom Cruise because it's Tom Cruise. Meanwhile, Sam Neill, you kind of forget it's Sam Neill because he's just Sam Neill. Yeah. Seems like a regular Joe is just a good actor. Sam Neill to me is Alan Grant. Like, yeah. I, I, you know, I watched I watched Thor Ragnarok and and then, oh, Alan Grant showed up in this movie. You know? Oh, yeah. Yes. He cameos in that one. Yeah. 
But then, like you talked about with me, which is hilarious, that he became your favorite actor. Mm-hmm. So you want to watch everything else he was in. Yes. <laughs> he does some weird stuff. He does. I, I did not watch a lot of movies with him in it. That's for sure. I would say that when it comes to his... Uh, his filmography, I've seen maybe the movies that don't have Jurassic Park in the title. I've seen maybe two, three movies. Yeah. Well, no, you've seen my who it's hard to say. Is it number one or number two? Oh, probably put it at number two. My second favorite sci-fi horror. Oh, Event Horizon. Yeah. yeah Aliens number one. Because mm-hmm. Aliens a banger. But event horizon that movie is scary yo mm. so if you <laughs> mom and dad i need to watch the other stuff with sam with Neil. sam neil in it look he's event. in a space he's movie. in a space movie yeah <laughs> yep. i can just imagine like what movie did what year did that come it was out 97 i think yeah so like 11 12 year old mike just like mom dad I want to watch this space movie. I uh, to be fair, I didn't end up seeing it until many years later. But. Did you not watch it until we saw it together? Because I feel like that no, would make I've, sense. I've seen it before that. Okay, well, I'm just curious because that would have been hilarious. I watched that movie when I was way too young for it. <laughs> that seems like your mo when it comes to, to horror movies. It's so good. It's so scary. Yeah. But so, but that's the thing. Like, we, I would never in a million years be like. You know, Dr. Grant is the same as the guy from Event Horizon. Like, because mm-hmm. they're just totally different. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, again, like the guy from Mission Impossible is the same guy from, I don't know, whatever else Tom Cruise is doing. And like <laughs> Top Gun, Top Gun. Ugh. Or like even because it was a huge problem with uh, Interview of the Vampire. It was just like you just couldn't take the Tom Cruise-ness out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway. No. And then Laura Dern was fantastic. Yeah, we can't ignore it. We can't ignore Laura Dern. We'd no, be... she and like I always forget that she because again she just fully disappears into the role. Mm. Like I always forget. Oh yeah, Laura Dern's in other stuff that's not Jurassic Park, and it's not that I'm not aware that she's an actress with a quite a large repertoire. It's just like Ellie Sadler is her own entity. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter what other things she was in because Ellie Sadler is its own thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Everyone does a great job. Yeah. Uh, and and other things, too, about the movie. Like, there, it, this is one of those movies where there's no real wasted dialogue. Yeah. Everything that's said either propels, unless it's like a joke, to clear tension. Because there's a lot of great tension-clearing jokes in this movie. Yeah. But for the most part, any information that is given to you is not just gobbledygook. It is there for you. Like if, if they're sitting in the control room and they're talking about, you know, Oh, X, Y, Z is not working because of blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. That comes into play. Yeah. So there's no wasted motion in this movie when it yeah. comes to dialogue. And that's something that I really, I think it really lends to how good of a movie it is. Is, is just because it has that kind of flow to it. You mm-hmm. know, the, the, there's, there's a lot of information that's even non-verbally given that comes into play later. Like a perfect example is when they get to the T-Rex paddock for the very first time, it shows a shot of the fence. You hear it humming because it has electricity flowing through it and the lights are blinking on it, letting you know that it is a hazardous electrical fence. Later on in the movie, when the kids and Grant go back to the fence, Grant, using that same those same cues, looks up realizes oh the lights are not on this fence is not electric and then he plays that prank on the kids yeah which is hilarious <laughs> yeah so like that information you know that he is he he knows that the the power is off because of that there's yeah. just it there's so much setup and then delivery throughout the entire movie and and it's so well done like i i I really held back i could quote this movie from beginning to end and i only did it like four times when we were watching it just so you didn't go insane oh i would have i would have been like we're done (laughs) we're done stop talking i want to watch the movie not listen to you not listen to you talk to me there's there's a video i've seen online of a guy he's seen peter peter pan so many times that 
you can play the audio to him and he can describe what's happening as it happens, yeah. including saying the dialogue in time. And I don't think I'm that good with it, but I'm pretty good with it. I feel, with like, Park. I, feel like I could do that with three movies. Mm-hmm. Last Unicorn, mm-hmm. Ferris Bueller's Day Off and Scream. Okay. The, yeah. for, for me, it's it's really this. There, there's a moment, like the, the moment that I always think of, of like, I know this movie so well, is I know the exact sound effects of when the kids are running from the raptors and they lean on the metal panel of the counter mm-hmm. and the metal, because they lean on it, it bends inward and it makes that like womp. a, it's like, and I know like that, that sound effect is ingrained in my head. Mm. Like I will always know it. Like when, when they lean on it in my brain goes like every time, like I know it very well, but yeah, I, again, I could probably continue talking about this film for a very long time, but we have been talking. For we have been talking. So have... how about we talk about something else? Yeah. So why don't we talk about what critics thought of this movie back in 1993. So Laura, why don't you fill us in on some past reviews? Well, bum, bum, bum. the Rotten Tomatoes, one of our rare equal for critical and audience, mm-hmm. 91%. Oh, wonderful. Peter Travers of Rolling Stone called it colossal entertainment, the eye-popping, mind-bending, kick-out, jams, thrill ride of summer. Roger Ebert gave the film three out of four stars, saying the movie delivers all too well and it's promised to show us dinosaurs. It is lacking other qualities that it needs even more, such as a sense of awe and wonderment, disagree, mm-hmm. and strong human story values. Also disagree. Mm-hmm. I mean, we talked about like when he sees the dinosaur, like there's awe and wonderment in that. That's the thing that's great about that sequence is because of the fact that they've downplayed dinosaurs to that point, you don't see any when that first dinosaur shows up, it is spectacular. And the wonderment and awe of that moment is undercut later when all of the scary things start to happen. Yeah. So yeah, no, I, but I, they I disagree do, there too. They do cut to other moments of like, you know, really cool stuff. Like you see the Brachiosaurus is again, or the Gallimimus is flocking. Yeah. Like there's all sorts of stuff. And mm-hmm. speaking on, the music is fantastic. Yeah. And actually, this was a point that I wanted to make, too, is there are certain scenes in the movie, the T-Rex attack, that has no music whatsoever. Mm. Like that that scene relies entirely on what's happening. It's the dialogue. It's the sound. That's it. There's no music in that sequence. And I, even though I've seen it a million times... I still feel the same when that sequence happens. Like I'm not running out of the room going to the bathroom, but you know, <laughs> the excitement is still there. Well, the the one scene in uh, when Ellie's turning on the power still makes me jump every yeah. time. Oh, when the raptor comes. Yes, it definitely it did this time too. I, yeah, yeah, every time it gets me. I know what's coming. I'm like, don't jump, don't jump, don't, don't. Yep, it there got it me. is. Gotcha. Uh, sorry, one more. Empire Magazine gave the film five stars, hailing it as quite simply one of the greatest blockbusters of all time. Yes, I agree with that. I agree with that. Overall, it won three Oscars for effects and sound, four Saturn Awards, and was nominated for seven other- others. And overall, it has 45 wins and 27 additional nominations as a film. The movie kind of kicked butt. Mm-hmm. So on that note, I give it a double butter. You're a double butter. I feel like this is where we're going to make up a lot of our time. There's no way I'm not giving this a double butter. Yeah, there's no sense in drawing it out. It it has been said many times, this is my favorite movie of all time. Yeah. There's nothing that... The only thing that this this viewing did was cement it more with the new feelings that I felt at the kids' scene, which made me tear up and, and have feelings. But it's different when you're a pop. It is. It is. It, it's. It's interesting to to see that after almost thirty years, that this movie still finds ways to move me. You know, into a bigger house. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes we made that. Good. Anyway, but no, seriously, like you're right. There, every viewing of it, there's something new that comes from that, and that is a mark of a great movie. Mm-hmm. It's still fresh. Like it's still enjoyable from start to finish. You're not like. Okay, get to the next scene. It it's like what? How long is the movie? It's like over two hours long. It's it's like just two hours long. Yeah, but yeah. it feels like not even close. It like barely feels ninety minutes. It moves at a fantastic clip, and mm-hmm. you're not 
bored of it at any moment. Yeah. So it's, it's a fantastic movie. If you're just looking for something that's like, I want to just enjoy what I'm going to watch. Jurassic Park is an easy go-to. Easy. Yeah. If what you're... are we watching next week, dear? Yeah, that is going to do it for this week's episode. But next week, <laughs> we will be taking a look at... Yeah, it's my choice. It is my choice. And the funny thing is, is you 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 picked my favorite movie. Yeah, just honestly, I felt like watching it, one and two, I thought it would be hilarious to steal it from you. Which is hilarious because I was literally going to pick it this time. Too like for, for my pick, it was going to be this pick, Jurassic Park. And so I'm like, okay, well, you pick my favorite movie of all time. Do I pick my second favorite movie of all time instead? Well, you can't pick my movie. We already did it. No, that is true. But I will say this next week, we will be covering for the first time on this podcast a sequel to a movie we've already done on this podcast. And we will be looking at the sequel to this movie. I knew the it. Lost I, knew it. I 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 was like, I will laugh. I was going to say, I will laugh so hard if you want to watch The Lost World because I'd be so down to watch The Lost World. Yes. Yeah. So okay. I, I was just thinking, I'm like, what do I want to watch? What do I want to watch? I want to watch more Jurassic Park. That's what I want to watch. <laughs> so, yes, next week we'll be looking at the sequel to this movie. I'm the Lost super World. on board. The, our first our first sequel and our first essentially two-parter almost. That's great. Yeah. I'm sold. So, so look forward to that movie next week for this episode of bird popcorn i am mike i'm laura and we'll talk to you guys again uh, soon bye